what I've learned is that I keep getting more to go do more with, right? And I think that's interesting. If you keep winning, you stay on the team. If you keep performing, you stay on the team. If you keep returning money to people, they'll give you more money to put back to work, right? If you build a process and a program and you communicate effectively and there's a dashboard so everybody can understand where we are and where we're not, that's interesting in my opinion, right? And it works for me. Um, it works for me. I'm, I'm, I'm okay taking the criticism. I appreciate the criticism. I'm uncomfortable when I don't have any feedback, right? Because as an athlete, you're always getting feedback. Your coaches are telling you what to do or what to think or how to do better because that's how I nurtured myself and that's what I came through, right? Seeking feedback. And so I, I feel like I do better being held accountable to somebody and something. And I think that's what makes me comfortable taking on capital, right? Like when you raise money and you put money to work, you're accountable for it. And so you have to be maniacally focused and not just strategic, but tactical, right? And I like that space. I like, I, like, I like the tactical space, which is why I speak to like the task force. Like, yo, there's a group of three, there's a group of five, there's a group of 12, there's two of us, there's one of us. Like you're clear on your brief. You understand what you need. We've had a huddle about the resources you need to go execute. Go do that, period, right? Like that's the cutthroat athlete. Like you got to go win the championship. You're on the team. We're paying you. Go win, right? Like figure it out. Go do your push-ups. Go get therapy. Recover but be, be game fit, stay game fit, right? Because that's what this is about. And I value that. And that's why I believe so much in the athlete, particularly life after sport. You ask, like, what does an athlete do after sport? The way they think, the way they built traditional sport and, and action sport athletes, like, if you can find a way to get them aligned to a mission and a task, they're going to perform for you because that's what they've been conditioned and built to become. Well, welcome to What I Wish I Knew with Mike Irwin and Simon Da. We're, um, we're excited today because we're talking to Brandon Lowry. And I got to say that, you know, having known him, it's, it's, whenever I get to talk to Brandon, it's, it's an exciting thing. And, and this is particularly great because he's, he's agreed to join us on, on, on the show. And Brandon is president of the Global um, Action Sports Foundation. He's a former um, pro soccer player. He's, a, he's an entrepreneur, founder, consultant, angel investor, and he has, I think, as his mission in life, something that's really, really unique. And that is to kind of bring traditional sports support and, um, and infrastructure to, you know, board sports and action sports that maybe don't have that, but to do it without losing some of the unique attributes of, of, um, of action sports. So Brandon, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining what I wish I knew. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. I appreciate the invitation. So Brandon, tell us where you, how this all started. Yeah, so I'm from a pretty small town in North Carolina, actually, uh, in the mountains, a little town called Banner Elk. Um, but I'm at a ski resort, so I grew up at a little ski resort. So I um, grew up riding a snowboard and skateboarding and um, riding a mountain bike through the trees in the National Forest. Um, and aspired to be a professional board sport athlete, right? I went to skate and snowboard and surf in the summers. Um, but I ended up playing a lot of soccer and tennis and traditional sports. And I kept finding myself on good teams that were winning games. And um, I got to tag along and learn a lot through sport. And I ended up playing high competitive soccer. So at 12, I got put in a residency uh, down in Florida. And that put me in France. And that put me in England. And then brought me back to America to go to college. Um, and then ended up moving to Australia. So I did well at traditional sports, particularly soccer and tennis. Uh, but I always aspired to be an action sport athlete. Oh, I didn't make it as an action sport athlete, but my best friends did. So the J.J. Thomases and, and, and Keir Dillons and all those big pros, snowboarders and surfers and skateboarders are friends of mine. But um, 
they did well at that and I did well in traditional sports, but uh, my romance to action sports is put me on this path to try to bring some of the experiences and the access to amenities and programs and, you know, training facilities that I got to experience as a traditional sport athlete, bring that over to action sports. And um, I had a bad injury, which ended my career as a traditional sport athlete. And uh, it put me in a different position, right? Um, at, 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 a, at a school level, because I played sport and I was on campus all the time, I got lucky to triple major. So my background was in economics, finance, and accounting. And then um, I moved to Australia and um, I stumbled into law school. <laughs> so I went through that space. I'm not a lawyer, but I, I studied law and then ended up um, being in the capital markets industry. So I had a little private equity group out of Australia um, after my injury. And I really devoted my time on um, fundraising, uh, partnerships, uh, sponsorships, um, just capital market work and trying to back entrepreneurs and missions and campaigns that really aligned to my North Star, which is about supporting the action sports culture, building infrastructure in the action sports industry, uh, and effectively empowering our athletes, like as their competitive athletes and life after sport. And um, that's kind of where I am now. That's, that's an amazing, you know, part of it right there. We could probably pr pretty much stop right there, Brandon, because I mean, not too many people would, uh, could, could say that they reach your level of, of you know, of, of athletic success. And you almost sound, you know, a little bit bummed about being so good at, at soccer that a lot of people would see as their life, life mission. No, I love soccer. It, it taught me life. Like I learned a lot about um, um, composure, right? Um, um, how, how to, how, yeah, mainly how to manage my composure. I was, I was a center midfielder, right? So lots of things are coming at you and going at you. So it taught me a lot about composure at a personal level, at a sports level, at a competitive level. Sport teaches you competitiveness. Sport teaches you discipline. Uh, being on a team teaches you how to play team sports. Um, I traveled a lot and played on a lot of development programs. So you learn how to build bonds, but at the same time, not get too attached, right? You understand how to like work yourself into a program. Um, you, you, you learn a lot from sport and that teaches you about life, in my opinion, right? I'm not a poker player but I'm an athlete. And I think like, um, it's all about finding alignment, trying to figure out rhythm with the team. It's not about bluffing. It's about conditioning, right? I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of poker, but I'm not a poker player. So I admire how those guys think and how they, and, and how they make decisions. But as an athlete, um, yeah, it taught me about conditioning and that everything I do today sets me up for tomorrow and, you know, learn from all my losses. And um, it's just transmuted over to my professional career now as a, as a, as a, as a business partner, effectively as a director, as an advisor. Um, and I use what I've learned through soccer and what I learned how to play tactical tennis uh, into the life skills that I'm doing right now and building companies and um, running a nonprofit and, 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 and trying to set other people up for success. You talked earlier, um, Brandon, about this kind of jump in some ways from, from, from boarding with a skill that was realized, as, as you alluded to, in, in soccer. <clears throat> just, just tell us a little bit about that experience, because I don't know what age you were at. Uh, I'm guessing young at, at that point. But to move to different countries and expose yourself to cultures tell us a bit about that part of the experience because i'm guessing alongside composure there's there's some other real experiences that you've had along the way yeah that's a good point right so um i deeply value the privileges that i've had about being an international um athlete and citizen right um 
through traditional sports, I got to see a lot of developed countries and experience a lot of different established cultures, right? And ways of doing things. And it kind of keeps me, not kind of, it does keep me grounded and grateful for what I have and what I don't have and what others have and what they don't have. Um, but I think part of the reason I'm so romantic about the action sports culture, I surf and I skate and I snowboard and ride a mountain bike and stuff like that. I've got to spend a lot of time in third world countries, right? And like when it comes to third world countries, it's all about community. It's not about, you know, the luxuries of, you know, fine dining and, 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 and opulence, like the, like, like the privileges, the community and really anchoring down a community and understanding that, you know, we are a visitor in a third world country, you're vulnerable, right? So you have to show up with good vibes and you have to integrate and you have to understand the anthropology and um, really align with the community and the culture. You can't be loud. You can't be obnoxious. You have to be respectful. And so I think a blend of that both really helps me maneuver and navigate, right? I've had the privileges of being in, again, established opulent countries with unique people uh, playing traditional sport. And then I've had the luxury of traveling to third world countries and seeing like a different level of beauty and a different level of community. Um, macro speaking, it's all about community. So for me, it's all about community. And I think that's why I really align to the action sports industry, this lifestyle sports industry, because it's about culture and community. Respectfully, in my opinion, I think more traditional sports is about sport and seasons, right? You can be a basketball player or a football player, but this somewhat seasonality, right? Where culture in board sports, you're always that. Like you always surf, you always snowboard, you pass it down to your kid, you travel the world to go, you know, surf and then do other experiences. You travel the world to go skate and do other experiences where in my opinion, um, the traditional sports are a little more regional based, a little more geographical. Soccer was a unique sport because it's global. But um, I think I've had, in my opinion, in my experience, a lot more um, 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 paradigm shifting experiences through my board mm. sport community. Do you feel in that case, um, Brandon, then that the, the notion of community is more prevalent in action sports and board sports than it is in soccer, football, basketball, tennis, whatever? No, I think, I think, I think community is global and I think it's, it, 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 it transfers across all sport. Right. Um, I just think that the community and action sports culture, it's, 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 it's forever, right? Like you bring your kids up on it, you travel with it. Um, you meet people through it. It, it, it crosses uh, race, gender, language barriers, right? You can show up in any country. And if you can do a kickflip on a skateboard, like you do a kickflip on a skateboard. Um, I also think it's teaches a lot of grit and discipline. Um, traditionally, board sports like surfing and skating and snowboarding, you can't really buy progress. You got to put the time in, right? You can't really hide on a team. You're exposed. You really got to put the work in to get better at it. But it's not about being better than somebody else. It's not about making a team. It's about expressing yourself, right? It's a culture. Mm. It's a community. You don't have to learn tricks. You can still have a good time and just keep the vibes high, right? So there's a competitive sport there's a competitive component to action sports, but there's like a leisure and a recreational sport component to the, to the industry, but it all kind of blends together. Right. And it's about culture and good vibes and travel and experiences and health and wellness. And again, traditional sport has that, right. Football has that hockey has that soccer has that tennis has that. But in my experience, I've been lucky to travel to different locations that soccer and tennis wouldn't have taken me to. Right. Um, I personally value the third world country, the development country space, because they lean on culture and community at a different capacity than established industries do, right? Um, I, just, I just think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's why I have such an affinity to the, to the board sport industry, uh, but at the same time, recognizing that 
these athletes are athletes. They're not just participants. And there's a real industry and a real culture and a real pathway and a real professional outcome that you can, you know, pursue through board sports. And um, I've seen it in traditional sports. I'm seeing it in board sports. And I really want to be a player more in the shadows, right, on helping, yeah, keep that trajectory and lifestyle sports, action sports going forward to the same level that traditional sports has been in the past. So, so Brandon, you know, an interesting reflection. The, the, you think of um, fuller team sports, you know, and that community and that tribe, if you like, to some degree and, and caring and sharing versus what you're describing as some of the board sports where you may be part of a, a traveling team, but you've ostensibly you're competing on your own in most cases. Is that a dynamic or a dimension that, you know, is important in your, in your goal here? In my opinion, right. I think lifestyle sports and action sports is about culture more than the sport, in my opinion. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you do have a team like skaters have coaches, snowboarders have coaches. We're in the Olympics. It's recognized as a traditional sport now. Right. Like it, it, it's real. Snowboarding is one of the most watched sports in the winter Olympic games. Skateboarding and surfing are coming up in Japan um, and then going forward. So there is a team like spirit. Right. There is um, country support. Right. Like you're with Team America. You're with France. You're with Australia. So there is, you know, a union around it. Um, but what I can, what I think that traditional sports differ from lifestyle and action sports is that I think it's culture over everything in traditional sports. I mean, in, in, in action sports In traditional sports is more about the competition, right? But I think in action sports and lifestyle sports, it's all about culture first. And I think that's what's unique and different about the lifestyle sport industry. It's culture over everything before anything else, right? And it's food, it's the music, it's the travel, it's the community, it's the experience. There's a small sliver of competitive athletes in action sports, but again, it's all the culture. It's how you show up, it's how you show up for others, right? It's the vibe you show up with, it's leave it better than you came, right? And I just think that culture has been the North Star and the driving uh, component behind lifestyle and action sports over anything else. Traditional sports, in my opinion, is more about um, performance, right? And, 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 and output, uh, where I think, again, lifestyle sports and action sports is more about culture. So take, um, um, taking that on, so for instance, soccer is heavily invested, you know, through uh, sponsorship, etc. And, and there's money there. Um, if I think of rugby, and, and that's something close to my roots, that's moved from a kind of free, spirited, um, a bit like you described in the action sports in some ways, you know, people weren't paid, you know, they traveled and they played team sports together, but they weren't quite that dimension. And it's kind of a self-reflection here of, um, you know, it didn't turn professional until fairly recently. And I'm just squaring up what you've just described. It is the, you know, has or is the financial element of it a, a cause of that, do you believe? Or, 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 or is there something else uh, going on? Oh. I think, I think, I think the uh, institutionalization of sport, particularly traditional sport, it's why it's so big and established and capitalized because there is an institution behind it, right? Like there is a winner and a loser, right? There is um, rivalry, right? There are teams, there are fans uh, at a local level, at a regional level, at a state level, at a national level, at an international level, right? And that's a huge component of why traditional sport is so established and gargantuan right um 
And that's also why I believe in the competitive side of all sport, because it helps you build that pathway, right? And helps you to establish that fan base and helps you develop characters in a community and in a sport. And I think it's very interesting what like the World Surf League's done, what Street League skateboarding's done for skateboarding, what's going on in snowboarding, right? Like there is a competitive nature to it, but more than anything else in surf and skate, a lot of fans follow their favorite athlete. Not everybody's familiar with all the tricks that are happening, but they're really interested in like the athlete itself. So personal brand, right? Uh, team brands, um, Nike stands for something different than Adidas. Volcom stands for something different than Viore, right? Like these brands stand for something. And that's also very, very interesting. It all, in my opinion, falls back on culture, right? And your belief systems and what each brand and what each athlete and what each character and what each team stands for. Where in traditional sports, in my opinion, it's more about performance. Like you follow the Bulls because Jordan was on it and they were winning. They were the dynasty. The Golden State Warriors are the same thing, right? Like Barcelona Football Club, they're amazing. You know their culture if you know their culture, but you know them as a high-performing program, right? Arsenal, same difference. Nike is a team of winners in traditional sports, in tennis, in basketball, in football, right? But you might not know who's on the Nike skate team, you know? Um, you might not know Nike has a surf team. Like, you don't know that stuff, but in the industry, you do. And each of those brands, interestingly, stand for something different than they do in the traditional sports industry, right? They mm -hmm. stand for culture. They stand more for community as opposed to performance and the output at a competitive level. I think it'll get there. And I think the Olympics are gonna have a monumental impact on what that looks like. But the industry's also divided because we're a culture, not a sport, right? So trying to package this, this industry up and saying, it's now all about contest and being on the podium and, win and winning and that cutthroat attitude that comes with traditional sports, that hasn't been authentically natural and organic in the lifestyle sport industry. But in my opinion, it's important that it exists because it does give a pathway to those who want to be athletes. It gives a pathway for those who want to sponsor the industry. It gives a pathway for us to build infrastructure and facilities so athletes can train to pursue a professional career as a surfer because they're athletes, as a skater because they're athletes. The same thing you've seen at ski resorts, right? You have these ski parks and these terrain parks and half pipes that are really, you know, birthing legends. Sean White's got three gold medals, right? He's a skater, he's a surfer, he's a snowboarder. You know him as an action sport athlete, but he's got more ESPYs than Stephon Curry. That's interesting. So it's going that direction. And I just think that the industry and the culture is going to have an invisible hand and make sure it stays authentic, right? There's a lot of brands that are coming in to try to participate in action sports that aren't authentic and they're quickly suffocated, right? And I think that's interesting because it's just a reflection that the action and lifestyle sport industry is culture over everything and authenticity, right? As opposed to just trying to buy a team that's going to win and, and, and sell more product. So on that front then, you know, Brandon, I wanted to ask about accessibility. You know, one of the things I feel like the traditional sports sometimes do as they reach high levels is you, they, they attract money, they attract sponsorship, they attract TV, they attract massive fan following. And as a result, what, what tends to be sacrificed is accessibility. You know, I, I can, I'm an Arsenal supporter. I, you know, I, I can follow my favorite college football team, but they're almost so far beyond and they can't really be part of my life because I can't really participate in that. So I, I'm relegated sort of to not just the sidelines, but I'm relegated to the stands and the TV to be sort of part of it. And I can wear my shirt and feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, kind of waving the flag, but I'm not really part of it. And, and I wonder, 
as you talk about what sounds to me almost like scaling in action sports, is there a trade-off in, in accessibility and, or, or not? Well, like I think becoming elite has an impact and an influence on value and price, right? And like LeBron James is supposed to be inaccessible because he's the king and he's the greatest. So to have access and exposure to him is expensive because he's so valuable, right? Kelly Slater is also a legend, but he's more accessible than most, but he's still a bit elusive, right? But then you can show up at the skate park and some of the best skaters in the world are down the street, skate park, and they're very friendly because it's culture of everything else, right? They're about being elite, but not elitist. I'm not saying traditional sports is about being elitist versus being elite, but the culture of action sports and lifestyle sport is about be as good as you can be, right? Like pursue elite performance, but at the same time, stay grounded and respect where you came from and understand that you're only here because the community got you there and supported you, right? I think that's interesting. Yes, it has its downfalls because it's not as investable, because it's not as valuable, because it's not as scarce, right? Because the community is a lot more accessible, the community being the elite performers, right? They're part of the community and they're in the community and they're available and they're accessible. But I think that's what keeps it so interesting, right? In my opinion, I think there's opportunity to still build great wealth, right? I think there's opportunity to really put these elite athletes and these influencers of culture in an arena where people would see them as inaccessible or, you know, aspirational. So they can command their value. There's a lot of value in content, right? There's a lot of value in product marketing. There's a lot of other ways to monetize the athlete and the culture. But I still think it's interesting that the lifestyle action sports industry is about community over everything else. It's about culture over everything else, not about prejudice and, and elitism. Um, again, no judgment on traditional sports because I'm a byproduct of that and I really believe in that and I'm a fan of it. But I just think it's interesting between the two that in my opinion, um, there's more focus on culture and traditional. I mean, there's more focus on culture and lifestyle and action sports than there is in traditional sports. And then the other thing that happens I, I wanted to ask about too is, is with some of the traditional sports, eventually sort of age out of it and you're not re you can never really be part of it because maybe you grew up playing baseball, but you know, unless you're, you know, make it to the, to the major leagues, you're, you're really not a baseball player anymore. And you're, and most people then also don't continue to play baseball, even though I guess they could, but they don't play baseball in there as they get older. I wonder, you know, as you look at, you know, at action sports, do you see less of that? Do you feel like people continue to, to do their thing or they continue to support it? Yeah, so I think that's why it's interesting, right? Like as a traditional sport athlete, again, you make a team, you make a team, you're in high school, you're in college, you're professional or otherwise you don't make it, right? Uh, and then like once you hang the cleats up, you kind of hang the cleats up, right? And you got to find a real job or change your passion or you become a fan. And action sports and lifestyle sports, it's culture. Right, you're forever and for always branded and part of that community, right? Whether you make it as a pro or not, like you still believe and you still wear the flag, right? You still wear, you know, the board shorts, whether it's your product of Quicksilver or a product of Visla, right? Like you're still part of that community. And so whether you're an athlete or otherwise, you're always gonna bring that sense of culture to whatever you're working on next, right? Um, there's a job with one of the brands, or if you're working for a major corporate, you're probably gonna spill some of that culture over to the corporate you're working on, right? If you're pursuing a startup or an entrepreneur, um, you probably have relationships. And at minimum, you can bring the authenticity if you're trying to delve into a particular culture or the lifestyle sports industry. 
right? It's really hard to come the other way around. If you're not from the culture, it's hard to work in a brand that's anchored in the culture or to pursue a category from a non-indemnic brand into the culture, right? Like it's just a different language. It's a different posture. It's a different EQ. Um, and I think that's what's interesting. So in my opinion, I think there's a lot of value in those who are authentically from the culture, who really value the culture, right? Who are part of the industry and part of the culture and their ability to have a position going forward, particularly since like action sports and lifestyle sports are growing, right? More people want to have an affiliation or association with surf or skate or snowboarding or skiing. That's interesting, right? And you'll find that those who aren't part of that culture really struggle integrating or really struggle defining or developing a product or service that maps that industry or is well received by that community. I'm not saying our community is massive, but you can sniff out inauthentic, you know, um, 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 trials and inauthentic product and inauthentic endorsements and inauthentic products and inauthentic programming. Um, so, so I think that's interesting. I think, I, I think that, yeah, those who came from it, whether you're a kid and didn't make it as a pro or still follow it at a content level, you can sniff out authenticity. And I guess my punchline is that authenticity surfaces, right? Inauthenticity sinks. You can smell it. You can sniff it out. Um, and, and I think that's what's really genuine about culture-focused industries. Authenticity matters most as opposed to performance or being the hot kid for a short time, right? Like that, that's what action sports and lifestyle sports, I think, promotes more than anything else, like culture, authenticity, um, and community. So, um, Brandon, you know, you talk about um, earlier up in, in the discussions, and I really like your phrase of uh, being elite and elitism. Um, and I was just reflecting again, you know, I'm definitely not the best sportsman in the world, but I've enjoyed, you know, sports skiing and uh, yeah, rugby, etc. But, I, you know, I guess I also feel there's uh, some learning that I've had from there that I've, I've capitalized on in my, in my business world and in my relationships what, what things would you describe to the listener who, you know, I guess 80% of the listeners here are not necessarily professional sports people, but what, what sort of learnings could you sort of share with us in terms of the massive experiences you've had, both of being, you know, elite, if you like, in, in, in inverted commas in your board sports, but also having that exposure into soccer and uh, various other sports? <clears throat> So for me, um, again, you, I mean, you, you probably get my, my core thesis. I believe in community, right? Um, I deeply believe in EQ over IQ. There's a lot of smart, talented people out there. But I think um, my privilege of traveling the world and meeting a lot of people, it really taught me how important EQ is, right? Um, and how to um, integrate with the community right? And how to play a role on a team and in an organization and in a community. Um, anthropology, right? And really understanding, again, what that community appreciates, what that community doesn't appreciate. Um, it, it's taught me not to show up arrogant, right? It's taught me to stay grounded and grateful. Um, I've also had a lot of superstitions broken, <laughs> Because when you're from a smaller town or one community or one country, you only know what you know. You only know what you've had experiences in and exposure to. And so a lot of belief systems fall down when you travel, 
and when you meet other people from different cultures and different communities, because it's nothing more than a belief system, right? And so for me, I've learned a lot about a lot of the complexes I've had were nothing more than superstitions and belief systems, right? I didn't think I could, or I didn't think I could, should, or I didn't know I could say, or I didn't know I could, you know, have a conversation about, um, I didn't know I could do it this way or not do it that way. It was all a byproduct of like the belief systems I had. So as I continue to get older and the more people I'm exposed to and the more experiences that I'm introduced to and the more I travel, right? And the deeper I get in culture and community, a lot of my superstitious belief systems are starting to unpack, right? I'm hopping a lot of hurdles on what I used to think and I'm doing a lot more thinking for myself. Not saying that I was gullible or manipulative. I was just stuck behind a bundle of superstitions, right? And you realize that's all they are. And that's liberating (laughs) and that's empowering. Um, It's bequeathed a lot of courage in me, right? But again, it's also taught me to stay grounded and keep my composure, right? And realize that it's more important about getting in alignment than negotiating, right? It's about finding common ground um, and just recognizing that we're all a byproduct of our experiences and our belief systems. And a lot of those friction topics that we come on on a day-to-day basis, professionally, personally, inherently, at a community level, at a cultural level, it's fundamentally predicated on belief systems, right? And if you can get to the other person's way of thinking, or I don't want to just say sympathize, but like at least empathize and really approach things at an EQ level first and focus on alignment and understanding like cultures are relative, experiences are relative, whether you're an elite athlete or a fan watching it on TV, right? You also have paraplegic athletes, right? You have those who have, you know, they're not full body participants. Some people have never actually participated in it at all, but they're a fan of the culture or the sport or the spirit of the community. It's all a perspective, right? And I think that I've been more efficient, right? I still make funny decisions sometimes, but I've been more efficient because my perspectives have changed around belief systems. And I think that um, the ride that I've been on through sports helped me get to where I am now. Still got a long way to go, but I'm better than I was because I've changed the way I've looked at things. So how do you overcome the, the belief systems, Brandon? How have you Be done vulnerable? In, in my opinion, like you hop belief system hurdles by being vulnerable, by having the courage to have a conversation, by taking the time to reflect, um, by actually doing the hard work, which is thinking, right? By asking questions, um, by asking people to point out your blind spots, right? Like, I think it's all part of the conversation. And I think that being vulnerable um, facilitates conversation. And I think that understanding community and other people's perspectives and listening to listen, not listening to wake to talk, right? Like there's a lot in that, right? And I think I've learned that through traditional sports from being on teams and having coaches and then being in the lifestyle and action sports, it's put me in unique scenarios and situations where I have no control and I don't know. And I don't know why they said that or what that means. And I don't know what to do next. And I don't know what's happening, but I pay attention and I try to keep my composure and I ask. Right. It's like, huh, I didn't know I could do that. I thought that was illegal or I thought that was taboo or I didn't know I could have a conversation about this. And I didn't know you thought the same or I didn't know you didn't understand. So let's talk about it. And there's a lot of power in conversation. Right. Um, And I think that's where I learned the power of your emotional intelligence. Right. Over my 
intellectual intelligence. So EQ over IQ seems to be effective when you're playing in the space of community. So building on that then, you know, Brandon, I mean, I think for me, at least it, it would be fair, you know, it would be fair to say that we've been through, you know, a tumultuous time and, and, you know, it's revealed massive, you know, conflict and differences in, in, in at least America, American culture, and at least in, in my opinion, flaws in American culture. And I used to attribute some of that to people's lack of traveling. I feel like Americans in general don't travel enough. We're not humble enough. We don't open ourselves up enough. And, and there's that sense of pride, which is okay to a point, but it's also sort of, you know, restrictive as well. Um, so as you look at sort of the U.S. today, is there, is there a solution? You know, you talked about, you know, EQ over IQ, or you talk about self-awareness. Is there, is there any answer here? that broadly speaking, you feel it could help society? I, I'm, I appreciate the question. I'm so far from giving advice on how other people should maneuver, particularly groups of people or countries. I, what I believe in is that um, um, you got to be definitive in your own thinking. You kind of got to know what you want, right? Like I feel that conflict's a function of misalignment or misunderstanding right so much so that you can have completely different opinions or interests but at least you know now right like i have more clarity as to why this person's making these decisions because this is their agenda and this is what they're definitive towards i don't believe in it or support it at all whatsoever but like i understand now so me getting in a discussion about you know i don't like what they're doing that's just going to not lead to any resolve unless my agenda is the create alignment right um so 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 like i i and, 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 and again like it's not that i shy away from dispute i just lean in towards alignment and the more clarity i can get into a person's agenda or an organization's objectives right or um what's important to a group of people the more effective and efficient i can be with my time right and I think that's the punchline for me. I'm privileged to have some perspective on what I want out of life, right? And I'm just doing everything I can to stay aligned to that, which is my North Star, right? Like, I believe in the athlete. I believe in the culture. Um, I'm not here to be a capitalist. I'm here to be a philanthropist. But in order to give, I have to earn. And so I've learned to be a little more tactical on how I generate revenue and how I raise capital. And I learned the fundamentals through school, right? Like capital markets, finance, economics, like that taught me the rules of the game. But then the EQ is kind of what gets you in the room and helps you get through due diligence, helps you get deals done, helps you raise money, help you generate revenue, uh, help you build brand, help you tell stories, right? Like, I think that's interesting. So in regards to like what America should do different or how Europe does it, I don't know that conversation i know that i've been super blessed and privileged to travel the world and get different perspective and you don't have to travel to get perspective you can read you can watch it on the internet right like you can consume content you can talk to friends you can have a pen pal in hong kong or write a letter to brazil right like there's a lot of ways to get perspective i just think it's important to get perspective right so regardless of what neighborhood you live in or what your zip code is or where you're trapped or where you're traveling to i just think that um international perspective is helpful right as opposed to assuming that what you know here and your current belief systems are the solution 
I think it's more interesting to understand that it's all perspective. Traditionally, historically, it's probably a function of a superstition or a belief system. And typically people are acting in accordance to an agenda or a particular interest. Is that helpful? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, it's that sort of uh, point of view that, that, you know, more people could benefit from. So if you think about then, you know, in terms of what I wish I knew, if, if you were talking to, you know, someone coming out of college these days or, or just getting started in life, based on what you've done and what you know, is, is there two or three things you would tell them? The, I think the most important thing that I've learned is that I'm not going to be considered a hypocrite if I change my mind, right? <laughs> Again, I know I'm a, not a victim, but I catch myself then stuck to a belief system, right? And when I get more perspective, I'm like, huh, I didn't know that. Or, huh, that was my blind spot. Or now I'm more informed. So I've actually changed my opinion about what I think or how I should maneuver, right? Um, that's interesting to me. So I used to get stuck not being stubborn or head heart or, or hard headed, but you know, I really did a lot more to try to defend my point of view, which I still believe in. It's important to believe in something. Right. But I also think like the flexibility of being open-minded and listening to other people's perspectives, not always agreeing with it, but at least hearing it can put you in a position of power. And it's not about being powerful over other people. It's just about being liberated and doing more of your own thinking. And I think that's what's interesting for me personally, where I realized like, it's okay to change my mind. The other thing that I struggled with and still struggle with today that I'm trying to do better on is managing what's important, what's urgent and what's valuable, right? That's also a tricky space for me because it's a lot of things I wanna do, right? But it might not be urgent and I pick the wrong mix sometimes. So if I went and told myself my younger self when I'm making decisions that it's okay to, you know, get more perspective and get advice and not accept it and act on it, but at least seek it out. Right. And then to prioritize my time and my decision-making based on what's important, what's urgent, right. And what's valuable. So I'm doing better at that and I'm seeing better results <laughs> going back to my competitive athlete side. I'm seeing better results as I prioritize my time and my thinking and focus on what's important, what's urgent, and what's valuable, right? And seeking perspective to help me make better decisions. And my coaches did that as an athlete. Um, feedback and watching game tape does that as an athlete, right? Um, that's in traditional sports and lifestyle sports. And then in my professional business space now, the hat that I wear, um, it's the same. Keep my composure, really think it through, prioritize my priorities, and um, seek perspective. That's fantastic. Yeah, good stuff. Um, tell us a little bit about your business then. Uh, and um, how do you get sort of alignment or, or get, get at the intersection of where you think your sport is going to go or, or your athletes are going and how, how the you know, brands can participate in that or why they should? So um. My, 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 my North Star is, again, run through this foundation that I'm privileged to be a president of called the Global Action Sports Foundation. I have an amazing board and great people around me, right, to keep me on track, 
and again, get perspective and help me prioritize. But I didn't set out to be where I am, right? Um, I played sports. So I was always athlete minded. Um, I wanted to be a skate, surf, snowboard athlete. And I do that recreationally, but I'm not a pro at it. Um, um, I have a background in finance and economics and capital markets, right? Um, which helps me uh, finance my dreams and visions and projects, right? Um, at the moment, I'm doing a lot of real estate stuff. And what I mean by that is I'm investing in being either a general partner and or the limited partner, meaning I'm an investor or on the, like the directors or, or, or one of the decision makers um, in some of these resort developments and training facilities. Um, again, all real estate. I didn't go into learn real estate. Um, I learned a lot about real estate because I was lucky to work with a highly reputable skate park company, right? So again, about building culture, I wanted to build skate parks. So I was lucky to align with a highly reputable skate park company. And I got to witness the process of building skate parks all around the world. And in doing that, I got to meet a lot of general contractors. I got to meet a lot of real estate developers. I got to meet a lot of councils and decision makers at a real estate level. So I learned the game of real estate actually through building skate parks. Um, as opposed to the other way around. And I got to see a lot of the deals and understand the process uh, through building skate parks. Back to my culture over everything, my mission was to build more facilities so more people could participate, right? If you've got a skate park, you can learn to skate. You can be part of that skate community. It becomes your clubhouse. Magic happens at a skate park, in my opinion, right? The same thing with, you know, now we're in these surf parks, uh, skate parks, ski resorts, uh, these destination resorts where it's like, wellness recovery and lifestyle sports right so i'm in that world now where i am raising capital i'm participating as a general partner um i'm a on the development team i absolutely don't call myself a developer but i'm on the development team playing my role which is traditionally around um capital raising and fundraising and capital market work uh partnerships sponsorships uh athlete liaison Right. And like really focusing on culture, 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 culture. I'm not the real estate expert. I got my buddies, my friends, my business partners are really deep in real estate, but then I come in on quote unquote program it. Right. So um, they know how to do the real estate deal. I know more about how to do the real estate programming. And so now I'm in this, I'm wearing this real estate hat. Right. Um, again, didn't plan to be in the real estate, just always believed in building the culture. And in order to build the culture, I thought we needed more facilities uh, with facilities. We can train athletes, develop them, make them, you know, more optimized to pursue their dreams. Uh, in doing that with more athletes, you have a bigger business, you have a bigger ecosystem, you're selling more board shorts, you're selling more jackets, you're selling more snowboards, you're selling more skateboards. There's more jobs with infrastructure in place and pathways. Mom and dad will support Timothy and Stephanie to go pursue that sport. If they don't make it as a pro athlete, there's an industry for them to work in. They might want to be a designer. They might want to be an engineer. They might want to build skate parks. They might want to build hotels and resorts. They might want to be an architect. Like there's just so much more now to do, right? Because the culture's growing. And it's about building that ecosystem to support the culture. But right now, the space I'm in is building more ecosystems and facilities, right? Because I believe that the more professional grade supportive amenities, right? The bigger the participation level will become, which means it'll grow that audience and that culture and that community, which will make it more investable. So I can raise more capital to go do more things because now I'm a traditional asset class because I'm real estate right? Like I can raise money against real estate. I can get a development approval. I can build a hotel. I can build a restaurant. I can sell food and beverage. I'm bankable in a traditional sense where <clears throat> before recently, you can't say a bunch of skateboarders are going to go build a, a resort, but now you can, 
right? And I think that's, I think that's really, really interesting. Um, so it's figuring out how to like package culture in a traditional box. So it's financeable by traditional industry, right? And the Robin Hood hustle is to go do more of that to bring it back to our community, bring it back to our culture and watch our culture continue to blossom. So Brandon, I mean, your story so far, it's been incredible. Yeah, from, from, from what you state, you know, skateboarding to team sports, to study, to travel the world and where you are now. You must have had a few bumps along the way. So many, <laughs> like all of them. <laughs> and I'm sure I've missed a few just by serendipity, but like, um, yeah, I, 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 yeah. What, what I can say first and foremost is it's not a, it's not, it's not a Brandon story, right? Like I, I respect the entrepreneur. I'm not the entrepreneur. I work with good teams and we build the phrase I align most with is like a task force, right? Like I'm always trying to figure out what our objectives are, what our goals are. And I want to assimilate a task force or a, a syndicate to go execute, right? Like I'm not the entrepreneur. Um, that's not who I am. Right. Um, and I'm okay with that, but I am vested in doing what entrepreneurs do and founders do to go successfully execute a project plan, right? Write a playbook and go execute it. But along the way, you don't know what you don't know, right? And you do the best you can to make the best decisions based on the information you have in front of you, right? Um, we try to make decisions on meritocracy, right? And we do anchor everything down on strategic thinking and putting a playbook first. You have to be courageous and entrepreneurial and just jump into things, but we try to do that as calculated as we possibly can be. But again, you make, this, you, you, make, you make mistakes, you make bad decisions. You don't know what you don't know. You always have blind spots. But I think the luxury I've had is that I've been on good teams and I think I've learned how to surround myself with good people, right? And with good people, magic happens, right? Because you can have vulnerable, honest, transparent conversations. You can accept the mistakes whether you're overspending or not spending enough or over-engineering or under-engineering or going left when you should have gone right. But with good people, you can come back and have honest, truthful, vulnerable discussions to figure out how to do better, right? And I think that's what's most empowering for myself is that I do the best I can to align with people who are of the same belief system, right? Um, and get advice from people who've already done it before. I'm not into giving advice. Um, I'm into sharing my experiences, right? And hopefully that adds color to somebody else's picture, but I'm not going to say go do this because they might have a different set of circumstances, a different set of resources, a different level of resiliency, right? So I don't know how to make a decision for them, but what I can do and what I try to do is share my own personal experiences and be vulnerable to help people get perspective. So, so tell me as well, you talked about a, a philanthropy earlier and I got a sense of that reading about you online. Um, you know, just share a bit of that experience of, I guess, the less fortunate and what your kind of, um, you know, what your plan is in that area and what, uh, and what your drivers are. Yeah, so um, I think it might be easier to start with my driver. Um, we all have egos, right? And um, I got a couple different complexes about like my insecurities and being public facing. Uh, I'm not that. So anybody listening, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not on social media. I'm not public facing, um, but that's my ego, right? Like my ego is tied to being in the shadows and being um, a bit 
discreet, right? And being inconspicuous. I don't know why, but that's just what I embody. Um, I don't like the credit. I get really uncomfortable being put on the podium. I like the win, so don't get that wrong. I like the win. I'm built to win and execute. So I like the performance aspect of it. That's my athlete mind speaking, right? But in regards to my philanthropy, what I do and what I plan to do at scale is to continue doing things that people don't know I had anything to do with, right? Like my ego really gets off on that. I like to have executed a project kind of like, like, like a, like, like a, like a Navy SEAL team where you show up, get the job done and nobody knew it ever happened. Right. Like my ego's tied to doing things like that, not to be slippery or sneaky. I just like to give and I find pleasure and satisfaction in setting things in motion and seeing people really enjoy them without knowing the how and the why, right? Like I like that magic. And so you can see it makes me emotional. Like my mission is to do that at scale, right? But not tag it, right? I don't need my name associated to it necessarily, right? Um, I believe in the pen name, right? I believe in that whole, um, yeah, inconspicuosity. So that's my driver is that I need to be exceptionally successful so I can give back more than I was given, right? And it's expensive to do things in time and money when you're not leveraging all you have to leverage, right? Like I could put a CV together or be more public, right? And try to leverage my personal brand to get things done. But my ego's tied to like the low profile space. So it's gonna take a little longer, it's a little harder. But like, again, I'm built for it because that's what I learned as being an athlete. Like you gotta put the work in, it's all about conditioning. If you know what you want, you'll get there. You just gotta be patient and persistent. And I wake up every morning with so much enthusiasm to keep going. I, I truly feel with the, some of the successes you've just described, the, um, you know, business speak, the ROI on what you've done and the way you're doing it is, is a perfect a, a solution model, yeah? Yeah, as long as I can return back to my investors, right? And I can hit my targets, hit my goals and manage expectations and be transparent. And again, keep my returns in alignment. What I've learned is that I keep getting more to go do more with, right? Mm. And I think that's interesting. If you keep winning, you stay on the team. If you keep performing, you stay on the team. If you keep returning money to people, they'll give you more money to put back to work, right? If you build a process and a program and, you communicate effectively and there's a dashboard so everybody can understand where we are and where we're not. That's interesting in my opinion. Right. And it works for me. Um, it works for me. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Taking the criticism. I appreciate the criticism. I'm uncomfortable when I don't have any feedback. Right. Cause as an athlete, you're always getting feedback. Your coaches are telling you what to do or what to think or how to do better. Cause that's how I nurtured myself. And that's what I came through. Right. Seeking feedback. And so I I feel like I do better being held accountable to somebody and something. And I think that's what makes me comfortable taking on capital, right? Like when you raise money and you put money to work, you're accountable for it. And so you have to be maniacally focused and not just strategic, but tactical. Right. And I like that space. I like, I like, I like the tactical space, which is why I speak to like the task force. Like, yo, there's a group of three, there's a group of five, there's a group of 12, there's two of us, there's one of us. Like you're clear in your brief. You understand what you need. We've had a huddle about the resources you need to go execute. Go do that, period, right? Like, that's the cutthroat athlete. Like, you got to go win the championship. You're on the team. We're paying you. Go win, right? Like, 
figure it out, go do your push-ups. go get therapy, recover, but be, be game fit, stay game fit. Right. Cause that's what this is about. And I value that. And that's why I believe so much in the athlete, particularly life after sport. You ask like, what does an athlete do after sport? The way they think, the way they built traditional sport and, and action sport athletes, like if you can find a way to get them aligned to a mission and a task, they're going to perform for you because that's what they've been conditioned and built to become. Right. And that's interesting to me. So um, I just want to keep doing more of that. Right. And I think task force mindset over I'm an entrepreneur. Right. So, so Brandon, I know we really appreciate your time. So one last question, you know, you talked about kind of scaling that sort of work and, and, and making an impact at scale. If you, if the world had to listen to you on that front, you know, and what it would take to do something like that, um, what would you say? It's actually delicate, right? Um, I'm a big believer in intellectual property, right? I'm a big believer in confidential documents. I'm a big believer in playbooks and plans, but I also believe in open source, right? I believe in community. <clears throat> so it's oftentimes a delicate dance for me because how do I scale this? I continue, to, I continue to document what I learn and the processes and the plans and the playbooks and the guidelines, which is just a framework to approach something. It's not the answer because everything's scenario-based, right? But notwithstanding the way I've, I believe in speed also, right? And so I'm not reckless and I'm not, not protective over IP and collateral, but I do believe in empowering others particularly if they're aligned, right? So how do I do what I'm doing at scale? I diligently document my learnings, my lessons, my frameworks, my playbooks, my processes. Be very diligent on who I share that with. Mm -hmm. But when I find somebody that in my opinion or in my committee's opinion is aligned and we can back them, we share, right? And it's like, yo, it took us 15 years to get here to understand this you can go do it in a lot faster than we could, right? And you have all of our support and all our network and all our resources to go empower you to go get it done because it's in my personal best interest to scale faster, right? So just like sitting on it and suffocating it and just keeping it to myself, that doesn't help me scale because you can't scale to one person, but you can absolutely scale systems. You can sell brand, you can sell playbooks, you can sell programs, right? And that's why, again, I have this, I got a mile since Asperger's, but it works for me because it keeps me organized. It makes me catalog everything. I'm religious about Dropbox. So I'm quick to have a framework, not the answer or the solution, but it's like, here's what I did here. Here's what I did the last 18 times. Here's what I did in this community. Here's what I did when I was in this position, right? Like maybe look at this, maybe this will give you some perspective, right? Not the answer, but some perspective. So you can go attack it with a little more audacity and a little more confidence and a little faster than it took me to get through it, right? And so back to my original statement, I can scale through sharing, but I also respect that when I'm a stakeholder in an organization or in a mission or a venture, there's a lot of intellectual property that's precious and proprietary, sure. right? So it's a delicate dance on what I can share, and what I can't share, right? But going into all my projects, I'm very clear with my teams. It's like, I'm not just here for this one. I'm here for the, for the campaign, right? I'm here for the cause. I'm here for the culture. I'm here for the mission. And I want to come here to learn so I can scale it with other people and other teams. Yeah. So that's how I know I can scale because that's what I'm doing at scale, which is why I don't have to have my fingerprint on everything publicly facing visibly, but I'm involved in it. Right. And 
that's interesting to me. That's why I think there's not just longevity and sustainability, but like it's a regenerative business model. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I think what really stands out for me about what you said is that that link between, you know, culture and cause and, and, take, you know, carrying forward a purpose. And I, and I think as, you know, people listen to this, I mean, everybody's life is different. Everybody's circumstances are different, but, you know, I, I really love the idea that you have and the way that you approach things of, of, you know, you need to make to be able to give, but you also, you know, there's that, but with that capitalism, with that success, maybe comes, you know, some responsibility, you know, to, to, to share it with others, to bring others up along the way. And, and uh, gosh, knows the, the world needs, you know, even more of that. So really enjoyed the conversation and we really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. I hope I spoke and answered your questions. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think I did. I hope I did. I know I talked a lot, but I appreciate you sharing the microphone and giving me this opportunity to share. No, fantastic, Brandon. And, um, you know, I picked up a few bits of your DNA. You know, you certainly, you, you are egoless, which is important. Um, completely driven but in a positive way and um as mike said your your purpose of of helping and supporting and, and not thinking of your own ego is 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 testament to to an amazing leader so uh, really really appreciate it that's kind i appreciate it thank you we do hope you enjoyed this podcast and thanks for listening to what i wish i knew with mike irwin and simon door please join us at what i wish i knew show.com You can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Please share what I wish I knew with Mike Irwin and Simon Daw with your friends. We welcome your feedback and recommendations of new podcast guests and ideas on topics. If you have business challenges, we're also available for advisory and consulting roles. We'd be delighted to listen and help. Just send us an email. Our address is hello at whatiwishinewshow.com.